Welcome to the Denver United Church Sermon of the Week. Here's a message from Pastor Daniel Brown. Good morning. How you guys doing today? Good. Happy New Year. Man, it's so good to see your faces and to be in a new year. Amen. I know that many of you are relieved to be out of 2020 and into 2021. I've known that by all the memes on social media and in the news. They're hilarious. Um, uh, There's so many of them. Uh, It's hard to keep up with, but it is good to be in this new year with you. You know, at the beginning of every year, I know I take time and I know many of you take time to just reflect on our lives, to think about you know, where we are in this journey, what we want to focus on this year, maybe in our lives, or maybe some choices and decisions that we want to make. Some of you make resolutions, some of you balk at resolutions, but wherever you at, I guarantee that at the beginning of this year, there are some choices, some decisions that you need to make, right? Because this is the time where we make those decisions, where we reflect on. You know, some of the people I uh, respect the most, they use this time to prayerfully think about a word or a phrase that would define this next year. You know, like what, what value God might be leading them towards or what direction God's calling them towards. And that's kind of how they they frame the year. And so wherever you're at, I I guarantee that during this time, you might be making some choices. And if there's anything that was impressed on me in 2020, through all of the turmoil, the social turmoil uh, that we experienced through an election, through the pandemic, through um, the the social and and racial injustice in our our country, um, through all of that, if there's anything that was impressed on me, was my need, my great need to be further developed in my ability in spiritual discernment. And I think even more so, not just me, but us as believers, because I found myself so often in the year at a place where I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what was right. I came to the end of my own wisdom and rationale, and I I found myself asking God, God, what are you in? Where are you moving? What are you working? Is this, is this a part of your heart? And if it is, I want to be a part of it. And it took a lot of, of, of realizing that maybe in some ways I had become undeveloped or untrained in my ability to discern the Spirit. Did anyone else feel that way? And so as we begin this new year and we're faced with many choices still, and, and I think many of us still don't know what the future holds ahead of us, um, I think it's incredibly important that we talk about and we maybe learn and grow in our confidence and our abilities to discern what God is doing. Amen? And so that's what we're going to focus on this morning. We're just going to, to talk about what is spiritual discernment and how do we do it. What is spiritual discernment and how do we do it? You know, life is full of choices. Some major choices like who you're going to marry, what career you're going to choose, what school you're going to go to, when you're going to start that family, you know, uh, what season of what show you're going to watch on Netflix. I'm just kidding. The Queen's Gamut is obviously the winner in that one. Uh, (laughs) 
or The Mandalorian on Disney. Either one. You can't go wrong. Trust me on that one. Um, Or there's more minor decisions. But whatever those decisions are, they're incredibly important because the decisions and choices of our lives give shape to our lives. They shape what we pour into, what we give our time to, um, what we invest our money in, our resources in, the relationships that we prioritize. So these choices are incredibly important. I think they're incredibly important to God. And I think too often we miss out on the wisdom and the insight he has for even the, the more minor decisions in our lives. But this topic of discerning God's will, of figuring out or having knowledge of God, what, what God wants in our life, for many of us, is fraught with questions. It's fraught with disbelief and concerns and maybe even frustrations, right? Like, how do I know... This is always the big question. How do I know this is God's will and not me trying to like push my will on God? Or or, or this one, when you come to a decision and you're like, how do I know I'm discerning God's will right and I'm not just missing it completely and I'm just going to fall flat on my face, right? So there's, there's a lot of fear around knowledge, around God's will and discerning God's will. Or maybe you've had negative experiences. I know I had some negative experiences of those that... Um, claim to be or really desire to be spiritually discerning, um, they tend to be at times uh, maybe a little bit more uh, emotional driven. You know, so spiritual discernment meant kind of emotionless and kind of, uh, kind of flaky and here and there and wherever their emotions led them. Or, or maybe you've experienced the, 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 the type where it's more like check your intellect at the door type person like there's no space for like knowledge and understanding it's it's pure spiritual discernment right have you ever experienced that and and so we may have all had some negative encounters of this imbalance of spiritual discernment or the this one this one's probably the most common the over spiritualizer right and I admit I had a season of this in my life where there, behind every bush was a demon. Behind every uh, good thing that happened in my life, that meant that was an open door by the Lord. And, and I read into everything and you know, everything had a spiritual meaning. And, and, and I don't know if it did or didn't. I think more often than not, I probably was a little just overzealous. But, but we've maybe had some of these negative encounters in our life. And so, so many of us, I think, have come to this place where we've decided that we're just not going to do it. It's just easier to trust on my own rationale, my own cognitive abilities, and just leave that part of my life out. And I just think that's a huge mistake because of so many reasons, but one, because at some point in your life, you're going to come to a place where you realize that your ability to rationalize and reason and figure out what is right will come to a limit. And it's at that point that you're, you desperately need those muscles of discerning what God is doing and tapping into his will. And it's also this, that God said that he came to give you life and life to the fullest. And I think the fullest that he's talking is hidden in his will and his way. And the more we walk in that, um, in the day-to-day, in the week week of our life, the more we experience that life in us and around us. And so it's absolutely critically important. And so I want to start out by giving us this picture, this vision, if you will, of what we have available to us as believers. So let's just take a moment and pray, and then I'm going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians. Lord Jesus, you are good. 
And Lord, we need your direction in our lives. And so to God, this morning, I pray that we would all be opened anew to your leading and your voice. Give us wisdom and understanding this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we're at. Chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. And this is just a beautiful um, display of, of what God has given us as believers. So it says this. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? We just leave after that. What an amazing promise that is right out the gate that we can't even imagine what God has prepared for you because he loves you. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep, deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one knows God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. I mean, you may have heard this passage before, but just stand in, 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 in awe of what he's saying here. He's saying that because you have the Spirit of God in you and the Spirit searches out and he knows the mind of Christ, that you have the ability to know the wonderful things of God, that they can and are revealed to you. That this is both present tense, past tense, and future tense. That God has revealed to us for those who believe, and he is revealing and wants to reveal the deep things of God. Man, allow that to seek in for a moment. The Spirit is revealing God's will and his way to us and his nature. And so spiritual discernment is this. It's just the ability to distinguish and align ourselves with the current of God's will and direction in our life and world. Let me say that again. It's the ability to distinguish and align ourselves to the current of God's will and direction in our life and world. Isn't that good? So first, it's spiritual. It's a way of making decisions that does not rely solely on our intellect, our ability to think hard, right? It's, it's not this cognitive process. And, and this is tough for us in the Western world that so heavily rely on our cognitive ability, that our education, our intellect, and our hard work and our problem-solving abilities over the place of deep listening and reliance and response to the Spirit of God within us. It's hard for us, but this is a spiritual act. It's not an intellectual act, although I want to argue, and I'll make this place that that doesn't mean we check our intellect at the door, but it is a spiritual act, not a physical act, but relying on and recognizing what the Spirit is doing. And then secondly, it's a gift of God. Spiritual discernment is given to us. It's not something we can achieve. It's not something that, that in, in our own power we can figure out the formula. But it is a gift from God. See, when you came to Christ, you were dead. Your spirit was dead to the spiritual realm. And then when you came to Christ, your spirit became alive through Christ. 
And so whether you know it or whether you feel like it this morning, you are spiritually alive. So you have the gift and the ability, if you so choose, to discern the things of God. Yeah. And then secondly, it is done by the power and the working of the Holy Spirit who you received upon salvation. The Spirit of God lives in you, and He is not a ghost floating somewhere out there. He's not a feeling that we feel in worship, although we can feel Him. He is a living, breathing person. He is a being that speaks and interacts and guides and is heavily hands-on in your heart and in your life. And so spiritual discernment is a gift. It is done through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it requires, it requires cultivation. It requires practice. It's one of those gifts that comes down to us not fully formed in our lives. Father Ernest Larkin, he said it really well. He said, discernment in its fullness takes a practiced heart fine-tuned to hear the word of God and the single-mindedness to follow the word in love. It is truly a gift from God, but not one dropped from the skies fully formed. It is a gift cultivated by a prayerful life and the search for self-knowledge. Isn't that good? It is a gift from God, not fully formed. And so it takes practice in our lives, cultivation in our lives. If we're going to learn to discern the voices of God over the, the things of this world that would want to pull us away from the will of God. You know, what discernment reminds me of is sailing. And I'm not a sailor, um, one, because I live in Colorado and I don't consider what people do on like chat field reservoir to be real selling. That's like a pond. <laughs> um, and and if, if that's you, I'm sorry to offend you. I, I would love to go out on your boat. But you know, if I, if I lived uh, near the ocean, I probably would do sailing because I always thought it was really cool. I love the lingo and the knowledge and the cool clothes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, and, I, you know, and it's a lifestyle, right? These people that sail, it is not just a hobby. It is like a, a completely different way of viewing the ocean ocean, of viewing the weather, of viewing the wind, and they have these, they have these languages and they have this um, ability to, to read the waves and to read the wind so that they can place their boat in the stream of where they want to go, right? And so they've, they've developed these skills um, to, to, to get into the right current to go in the direction they want to go. And I think this is a lot like spiritual discernment. See, see, I could have a boat. I could have a sailboat, but that doesn't make me a sailor. See, if I don't learn how to read the winds and read the current, uh, then I'm just going to either be sitting out on the water, not going anywhere, or I'm going to be floating and drifting wherever the wind and the current wants to take me. And see, the same is true about spiritual discernment. You can have a boat. You can be out on the water. But if you don't learn and cultivate and practice uh, the, the gifts of spiritual discernment, then you will find yourself a lot of times just sitting there. Or even worse, drifting away from the direction and will that God has for your life. And much like sailing and how the winds, you know, a sailboat's different from a motorboat. A motorboat is self-powered. It 
empowers itself. A sailboat is dependent upon nature. It's dependent on the current. It's dependent on the wind. In the same way, we are dependent on the gift of the Holy Spirit leading us. But we have to learn how to raise the sails. We got to learn how to read the waters and the wind so that we can catch that wind and go and align ourselves with the current of where God is going and what he's doing in our life and in our world today. And guys, that is when it gets really exciting. And I'm so afraid that because it's risky, because it is a risk, we so often choose not to. And so many of us are just bored in our faith. And so, so this is the vision I believe is laid out in scripture for those who believe that we have the ability It must be cultivated, but we have the ability through the gift of God to know the will of God, to know the ways of God, to know the deep secrets of God. So the question then, how do we do it? How do we practice spiritual discernment? How do we cultivate a life of spiritual discernment? So we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 20. Acts chapter 1, verse 20. So if you have Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. A little bit of context here. The disciples, the apostles, um, they just watched Jesus die and be raised from the dead and then go to heaven. And then they're sent out and they're in a place of waiting. And they're waiting and they're sitting around for the arrival of the Holy Spirit to come in their lives and to stay in their lives at Pentecost. And we find them at this moment where they have to make their first decision. All right. So here's where we are. And Peter stood up and he said, it is written in the book of Psalms. May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And he's referring to that place of Judas, the disciple that betrayed Christ. May another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. One, what a weird story. Right? So this is like the first picture we get of them spiritually discerning and making a a decision based on, 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 on their discernment of the Spirit. And what do we get? We get this picture of these guys like kind of like throwing the dice. And I had this idea that I was going to pitch it to Mardell's of like discernment dice. No? Maybe? (laughs) Maybe we could sell it. Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right. I know it's a little bit of a father joke, but, um, you know, it's just a weird picture. And you're like, well, how do you, what do you make of this moment? But before we kind of laugh at, at, at kind of the very human nature of this, of, of like they're kind of praying and then throwing the dice and seeing how things go. And, and, and it's this really interesting picture. I think we just want to marvel first. And, 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 and I think this is important to know if you're studying the book of Acts, is I don't think Acts is overall prescriptive to our lives. I'm not saying that this is how God is saying this is how you discern 
the, the will of the Lord. You, you throw dice or you cast lots or whatever that looks like in your modern day term. I don't, I don't think he's prescribing something, but I do think that it informs the way we discern God's spirit. And we, the way it does that here is really powerful because we see that they're faced with decision. And the first thing they do is they go to the scriptures, they, they do their due diligence, and, and then they pray honestly and heartfeltly to, that the Lord's will would be done. And then they, they chose an individual. So we see it modeled right here from the beginning that the people of God are distinguished. They're marked by a decision process that's different from the world. It involves seeking and discerning the spirit. And so the first thing we learn here and from this passage is some foundations, some foundations of discernment. And so we're going to build for you this moment, this morning, a boat on the screen. And, and, and these foundations that we see in the scripture, they kind of, they're kind of like the vessel of, spiritual, of a spiritually discerning life. And so to separate them, there's these foundations of discernment that we have to have in our lives. And then there's the practice of discernment, which is in those moments where we need to make a choice or where we're trying to, to discern the things of God around a particular issue, the actual practical practices we do. But then there's these foundations that form the vessel, the boat, if you will, in which our lives exist and, and, and help us create a greater life of discernment. Does that make sense? And so we're going to form this vessel. And the first thing we see in this passage is that if you're going to lay the foundation of discernment, and I know this one is obvious for many of us, but you have to live a life immersed in Scripture. Peter starts out, the first thing he does is they have to make a decision. And where does he go? He goes to the Scriptures. He goes to the revealed will of God. And so this is important to to recognize that that to discern the unrevealed will of God, we first start with the revealed will of God. And, and, and the reason we do that is because first, it teaches us the dialect and language that God speaks. It's in scripture that we learn to understand God so that we can discern God in the areas of our life that are unclear. They also guide us away from ways that, that would contradict the word of God. But it's absolutely critical, and, and I'll say this, in my life, when I've allowed this to slip, when, my, when I've allowed my life to not be immersed in, in the Scriptures, I've found that it is tough for me to discern God's will. It is a challenge for me to separate and to fully understand. And I, I'd also say this, that, that when you're not in God's Word, you quickly, you quickly lose the desire to seek His will. It's when we're in his word, when we're immersed in his word, that it stirs our affections to want to please God. And when we want to please God, we seek the ways of God. Second, we see that this decision is not made on an individual level. This is made in community. And what's really interesting about spiritual discernment in the New Testament, almost 100% of the time, it is not referred to in individual context, but it's referred to in the body of Christ. And I think so often we get wrong in the sense of we maybe have Christian community, but at the end of the day, when we make decisions, we make them alone. And we don't really invite people in transparently into prayerfully considering with us those decisions. And it's so important that we have those spiritually minded individuals in our lives that can speak that. And, and, and I, I, I 
I distinguish that spiritual over Christian because I think it's so important that they be spiritually minded, that they're not just earthly minded. Because I've had seasons in my life where I'm very earthly minded, but having people that are heavenly minded, eternally minded, um, that are speaking into, encouraging, and maybe even at times challenging our understanding of what God's doing. So these are some of the foundations that form that vessel of a life of discernment. Third, we see the disciples admit their limitations. I think it's really, really sweet in how they pray. Lord, you can discern the hearts of men. What are they saying there? I don't know what's in his heart. And I think so often we think, we may not say it, we think we can, we can figure that out. And we don't want to accept our limitations. So, so here is the dichotomy of the Gospels. It's those who admit they are blind that see. And it's those that think they see that are blind. And so one of the foundations, if you're going to be discerning, even if you're going to want to seek the discernment of God, is you have to either come through life circumstances or through your own choosing to the humble beginnings of accepting your own limitations and your own blindness. It's absolutely key for beginning to see the way God sees. The fourth and last foundational belief is this. You have to have a deep belief in the goodness of God. You have to have a deep belief in the goodness of God and his plans for you. See, you're not going to trust anyone with the important details of your life that that you intrinsically don't believe is good and has your best in mind. So we can talk about practices of discernment all day. I can give you great prayers. I can give you great, great techniques. But if you do not trust that God is good and that his ways are best for you, it is going to undermine every one of those in your life. And I know that many of you, including myself, have things in our life have experience that make us question, is God good? And, and, and that's normal. The question is, are you going to go to God with those? Are you going to address those in your heart so that you can begin to open up yourself again to maybe what he wants to speak and where he wants to lead you? So last, the big question people always ask me that's great Daniel but how (laughs) like I need like I need a how-to on how to discern God's will what are the ways that we raise that cell what are the ways that we we learn to discern the wind and to read the tide of what God is doing in our lives I'll read this quote real quick it says we cannot force discernment but we can find ways to open ourselves to it. It is not access through a formula or a method. It is a way of being with the decision in God's presence and allowing him to guide our knowing. The capacity to discern and do the will of God arises out of a deep friendship with God, cultivated through prayer and times of quiet. 
We're going to talk real quickly about some of those practices, but it's really important that we understand that this is not a formula. This is a relationship. This is a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's only when we're fostering that relationship, when we're prioritizing being with God in quiet in prayer, that we can really begin to spiritually discern. So how do we do this? Here's my first encouragement. Start small. Start small. You know, I know that normally when we realize that we need discernment, it's that moment where we have to make a big decision and we're like, oh crud, I should have probably already talked about this or thought about this, right? And then we have to make a decision. Even if you're in a moment where you need to make a decision, choose a smaller decision. You know, one of the things I like to encourage people to do is like take a Saturday, make it a Sabbath and just ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to celebrate this time? How do you want me to rest in this time and just seek his discernment? Because nothing like is majorly on the stake. If you get it wrong, it's all right. <laughs> you get another Saturday and do it again or Sunday or whatever day is good for you. You know, start somewhere small where the stakes are not high, where you're not like moving your family across the country to a new career. Start small. These are muscles that you need to be developed in your heart and in your spirit. Second, you have to seek to be open-handed. You have to seek to be open-handed. See, we must come to this place of indifference, this interior freedom, this interior freedom or state of openness to God so that we are free from undue attachments to any particular outcome got to come to this place of open-handedness, this place where, where what we want is the will of God more than anything else. And this is a journey. This, what, this is sometimes what takes so long in spiritual discernment is we have to get to that place and there's a wrestling and there's a, a detaching ourselves from things that are good and hard. And we see this modeled in Mary. We see this modeled in Jesus in his last prayer where he said, Jesus, or God, not my will, but your will be done. He didn't want to go die. He didn't want to go suffer, but he came to the place where he wanted the Father's will more than he wanted the things in his heart. And so spiritually speaking, there's, there's a tradition in a prayer called the prayer of indifference. And you pray it over and over and you work through this process of, Lord, point out to me anywhere in my heart where, where, I'm in, where I, I need to be more indifferent, where I need to be more open to what your will is and enter into that process. Some, a question that's good to ask is, what do I need to set aside or die to in order for God's will to come forth in my life? So coming to that place of indifference is incredibly important. That doesn't mean you're always going to feel indifferent, but that place where in your heart of your heart, you want the will of God more than you want anything else. And then second, ask for wisdom. James 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to you. And I encourage you with this. God is not a slot machine. This is not a prayer where we stick in our coin and we get our wisdom and we walk away. We ask for wisdom and then we wait upon the Lord. And it comes in his time and in his way. And that's why the next step is so incredibly important. We take time to, to take notice and gather information. 
We take time to be attentive to what the wisdom of God might be. We take time to meet with those individuals in our lives that are spiritually minded. We take time and we take note and we do this without coming to conclusion. And that's hard for us, right? It's hard that you get excited about a certain idea or you think God's going in a certain way. And so you, you want to jump on that bandwagon. You're like, yeah, here we go. I like this, you know, new, new career where I make a lot more money. Yeah, this is where I want to go. But I just encourage you to, to be as Mary was, to take these things and ponder them in your heart. Take note of them, journal them down. Don't rush to a conclusion and give it space, both time and physical space. Create time for silence, for stillness so you can hear from the Lord. But also, even when you think you've come to a decision, make that decision and then sit with it. Rob and I always do this, don't we, Rob? We, 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 we oftentimes will come to a, a way we think God is leading us. And then we say, hey, let's give it the weekend. In fact, we just did this. Let's give it the weekend and let's talk about it on Monday. You know, we so often rush into these decisions when God is just saying, hey, slow down, take this decision, sit with it and and allow me to affirm it in your heart. Give it space. And last, to practice their spiritual discernment, you gotta take a risk. You gotta take the risk. You know, over the last year, I've been reading the books of Chronicles of Narnia with my daughter. It's been a lot of fun. She loves them. And of course, one of the most famous lines in that book is this. Lucy, when confronted with the idea of Aslan, the lion, who is a picture of God, Lucy says, is he safe? And the beaver says, safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? course he isn't safe but he's good and he is king I tell you spiritual discernment is not safe it's going to challenge your risk averseness it's going to challenge your desire to want to have control and I can't promise you that you're always going to get it right but I can promise you this that you have the Holy Spirit in you. That his will towards you is so good. It's so good. And that your desire to follow God's will gives him so much pleasure. See, it's not about getting it right always. It's about wanting God's will over anything else in our life because that brings him such delight. He's okay sometimes when we get it wrong. But what he wants is our hearts. He wants us to want his will in our lives and to seek it and discern it. And so I hope that you will take this season, this new year, and you will take time to prayerfully seek and discern and to wade into those waters. Let me pray over you. Lord Jesus, Lord, we pray this morning that that we would have the courage and the confidence to wade in the waters of spiritual discernment, that we would lean heavily on the gifts that you've provided through the Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus, and we give all of this to you. In your name we pray, amen.
We hope you've been encouraged this week. For more information or to submit a prayer request, go to denverunited.com. 